0: Happy Election Day everyone! No one can possibly predict the outcome of all of the voting that led up to today, but one thing is sure, we are privileged to be part of a nation that can vote to elect its leaders. Throughout history, it was relatively rare to find a nation which valued its people's opinions enough to give them the power to take part in making decisions and laws. When the United States of America formed a democracy, they were able to look back at a handful of great examples. Today we'll find out about one of these, and we will solve a problem of bike thieves in Peyton's neighborhood. Hi, I'm your host, Heidi Illion, and this is Brilliant Mornings. Join us as we ignite a passion for discovering history. This season, we explore holidays in the United States, finding the stories of the people behind them. We focus on the poetry and narratives written or oral behind the great men and women of the past and use their ideas to equip and inspire us today. You may know who the new president of the United States is as you're listening today. Maybe you are listening to a news channel count up the votes as I speak. Every four years, the people of the United States of America elect a president to lead the country. The president is called the executive power. Who decided that America would have a president? Those who started this country in the late 1700s wrote a long document called the Constitution of the United States, and in it, they chose a president as the executive power in our nation. They wrote, the executive power shall be vested in a president of the United States of America. He shall hold his office during the term of four years. And together with the vice president, co-signed for the same term, be elected as follows. Each state shall appoint in a matter as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in the Congress. How does all this work? Well, a president is chosen by people called electors from each state. Every state has a different number of electors. New Jersey has 14. Texas has 38. California has 55. and Florida and New York have 29. But guess what? The people in a state get to tell the electors who to vote for as president. We do this by voting ourselves. This is why we go to the polls on election day. Whichever person gets the most votes in a state, which is a popular vote, is the winner for that state. Then the electors from that state have to go and vote for that person.
1: That's a little confusing. i like to think of winning an election like counting up points uh, in a board game to win. For an example, let's say there are two candidates and a nice man named Esmond and a kind woman named Avia.
0: Ooh, that's a good idea. So if Avia gets the most votes in Texas, she will win all the points from that state, which is 38 electoral votes. Let's write that down on the scoreboard.
1: Esmond wins in California. This means he gets all California's points, which are 55. Now he's winning.
0: Oh, but now Avia wins the popular vote in New York. She gets 29 more points.
1: Uh Uh-oh, Esmond just won in New Jersey, so he gets 14 more points.
0: Let's write that down. They will each need to get 270 points to win and become the president of the United States. During this election week, you can look at a map and see which candidates have won the electoral votes in each state. By the way, are you able to figure out who is winning so far, Avia or Esmond? If you can add up their points, you'll find out. You can even post it on our Brilliant Mornings Instagram. And now... Let's hear a story about why democracy might begin in the first place. My bike is gone, screamed Peyton. I left it in the front yard when I came inside to get a drink of water. Now it's nowhere to be found. Not stopping to put on shoes, Peyton's father ran outside and looked up and down their street, which was named Iroquois Way. He saw no one. That's the third time this week her father murmured, shaking his head. We moved to this beautiful, peaceful, woodsy little street to keep you all safe. He ran inside, slipped on his sneakers on top of his now muddy socks, and instructed, Stay inside with your mother, Peyton. I'm going to catch those thieves. Fast as a cheetah, Peyton's father darted through their neighborhood, scouring each of the properties around his for any sign of Peyton's new pink bike with purple handles. Aha! Peyton heard her father cry out, he emerged from the Pembletons' backyard with none other than her new bicycle, shiny and good as new. The Pembletons' four children, comprised of two girls and two boys, were a rambunctious crew. Old timers on Iroquois Way knew that most toys which made it into the Pembletons' backyard never made it out in one piece. Mrs. Pembleton emerged from her front door in a bathrobe and a chocolatey apron. What do you think you're doing on my lawn? she yelled in a husky voice. "'Is that a bike you're stealing? You drop it this second or I'll set the hounds on you!' She licked chocolate batter off of a spoon in her hand and whistled for the dogs. "'No need, Mrs. Pembleton, yelled Peyton's father. "'I won't call the police on you this time, but my daughter's bike was found in your backyard!' He continued running, now cutting across the Smith's front yard to get away from the Pembletons' view." Presently, Mr. Smith appeared at his window. Off my grass, he wailed, opening the front door. Can't you see the signs I posted? I'm trying to win the Better Homes and Gardens Perfect Long Competition this year. Every blade of grass has been nourished and conditioned. I just... And his voice trailed off as Peyton's victorious father arrived home and presented her with the beautiful bicycle. Now, remember to put it away next time, he smiled. Honey, did you just trample the Smiths' front yard? Asked Peyton's mother, stepping onto the front porch. I just received a text from Mrs. Smith. Please try to stay away from their lawn. Everyone knows they're really protective of it. That competition means everything to them. Peyton did not wait to hear the rest of the conversation. She hopped onto her bike and sailed down the driveway, feeling the wind on her face. She pedaled along the sidewalk, admiring the beautiful sunflowers and roses still blooming in the front yard of a nice elderly couple named Mr. and Mrs. Martinez. Suddenly, she blinked and screeched to a halt. Had she just seen someone crawling around in the flower beds? Peyton quietly peered around a tree and watched as Barbara Jones, another neighbor, emerged from the Martinez garden, stealthily holding scissors and an armful of flowers. What in the world, thought Peyton? Is Barbara stealing those flowers? Barbara crossed the street and caught a glimpse of Peyton spying on her. Don't you dare snitch on me she whispered. I have every right to these flowers. Last year, I got no sleep whatsoever because these Martinas were putting on a new addition. They had excavators and dump trucks rumbling around here at five in the morning, waking up my whole family, including my newborn baby. Not to mention, one of those front loaders destroyed my fence. They owe me big time.
1: What a shame.
0: Peyton jumped as she heard the kind voice of Mr.
1: Anita. This neighborhood could be the perfect place to live. It's so beautiful on top of this mountain, overlooking the valleys below, but all the neighbors keep fighting and stealing and holding grudges.
0: He shook his head, his long black hair flying in the wind.
1: If only.
0: Then he stopped. If only what? Asked Peyton.
1: Well, this situation reminds me of the problems my people used to have many hundreds of years ago. You know that I come from the Native American tribe called the Mohawks, right, young lady?
0: Yeah, the Mohawks used to live on this Flint Mountain, didn't they?
1: You're right, you're right. I'm one of the only ones left here. Unfortunately, the tribes in this area constantly fought, and some tribes raided the others and stole from them. The Mohawk families were always scared and couldn't find any peace. They retaliated, and many people were hurt. Also, foreigners started invading the land. Finally, my Mohawk people followed the advice of a man called Di-Kana-Wida who was known as the peacemaker. He convinced our friend, Hiwatha, that all the tribes in the area should get together and form one group, a group that would work together. They would promise not to fight or steal. They would help each other fight invaders. They would keep the great law.
0: Did they do it?
1: They sure did. And what an amazing group they made. Five tribes united into the Iroquois Confederacy, the Mohawk, the Onondaga, the Seneca, the Oneida, and the Cayuga. They called themselves the Haudenosaunee, and boy did they become strong, organized, and successful together. Everyone respected them, and they helped each other fight any enemies. They wrote important rules about how to make laws and decisions together. This stopped them from fighting.
0: Hmm, thought Peyton. Did all the people from the tribes get to make laws?
1: Well, actually, the ones who made the laws were leaders from each tribe. They were called lords. The women in a lord's family owned a special belt made of shells, or wampum. If your family had this special belt, the Iroquois would know that the men in your family were the leaders. These leaders were the ones who went to the Iroquois meetings and made decisions. Do you know the name of this kind of government, young lady?
0: Um, nope, laughed Peyton. At this point, her parents joined their friend, Mr. Anita, and listened in on his story. I think I know, said Peyton's mother. It's called a representative democracy. In this type of government, all of the people don't get to choose leaders and make laws. They choose a small number of representatives to do that for them. Mr. Anita laughed.
1: (laughs) That's right. The lords went to the Iroquois meetings and they would discuss problems together and then vote on a solution. Each tribe got one vote. They had to all agree in order to pass a law.
0: We have a similar type of government in the United States today, Peyton's mother explained. Actually, it was a Native American Onondaga leader named Kanasatego that told the original 13 colonies of America that they should unite like the Iroquois. He said 13 arrows were stronger than one arrow and couldn't be broken you can see those 13 arrows in the seal of the united states actually when the united states first started its new government borrowed many ideas from the iroquois confederacy like the idea that they should have two groups in the legislative branch that makes the laws of our country the iroquois liked the idea of balancing power between all of its tribes hey said Peyton. I think that our neighborhood should form an Iroquois way confederacy. We could choose one person from each family to go to meetings and fix all the problems that make our neighbors fight. We could have one leader and every family could send one representative or elector to choose that leader. You know what, Peyton said her father. That's an excellent idea. I'm going to make sure that this happens. We can decide on what to do to stop naughty little bicycle thieves. We can make a rule about how early in the morning you're allowed to make noise so it doesn't bother anyone else. And we can set guidelines about walking onto other people's properties. Everyone will be happy because everyone's voice will be heard. Speaking of voting, we're walking down to the voting polls right now. Are you coming, Mr. Anita?
1: I sure am. You know, even though the idea to give people the right to vote came from the Native Americans... We could not officially vote until the 15th Amendment was passed in 1870. Even after that, some states did not let Native Americans vote for many, many years. I'm joyful that I can go to the voting booth today and choose the people that lead this great country.
0: We are too, Peyton's mother beams, and we're grateful to the Iroquois Confederacy for their great example of democracy. Did you know there was a time in our history when women, Native Americans, black citizens, and others could not vote? They had to fight long and hard to pass laws that changed this. Allowing all adults in a nation to vote shows that we respect every opinion and voice. And voters should not take this responsibility lightly, but should vote after much research and with a clear conscience. One of the founding fathers, Samuel Adams, said, Let each citizen remember that at the moment he is offering his vote, that he is not making a present or a compliment to please an individual, or at least that he ought not so to do, but that he is executing one of the most solemn trusts in human society, for which he is accountable to God, and his country. Thank you for joining us, friends. This recording was produced by Heidi Illion with special guests Luke Illion and Micah. May God bless the United States of America in this new chapter of her life, and may he bless your country, dear listener.